You are live with the App Show, Canada's number one app and mobile tech program. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, here with Gray Williams today. Thanks for coming on in. Always glad to be here. So we've got a great program. We will be talking about Apple's new accessibility features, and they're actually kind of magical, Gray. Uh, one of them is uh, a new magnifier feature. They've always had the magnify feature, but now it can actually read buttons and read them out to you. So for example, if you are low vision or blind, wanted to use the microwave, that's hard, right? Because you can't read yeah. the buttons. So now, it as you kind of go over them with your finger, it'll say popcorn or more time, less time. It'll actually read it out to you. That's awesome. And for those people that have difficulty speaking, uh, there's a new feature um, that allows you to actually train the uh, the voice feature with your voice. It takes about 15 minutes. And after that, when you need to talk, you can just basically text what you want to say, and it will say it with a voice, but your voice. I can think of a ton of cool things that I can do with that. I am loving it. And uh, we're going to talk about the dark side of chat GPT. I mean, if you're living under a rock... You might not know what ChatGPT is, but it's like a, a revolution in AI technology. Uh, it's like a chatbot, a, a large language model, they call it. It can write essays, it can code, it can write poems, songs, you name it. It, it can do it. I Business think, plans. I think between these two things, you know, being able to train the voice and being able to have sort of deep learning with ChatGPT, you could then like... Fake a friend or, you know, fake a coworker. I could use... I'm thinking I, of things I can do with this already. I know. I need some friends. I'll take the fake ones. <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of people that buy these um, Android TV boxes on Amazon. You've probably seen them, you know, oh, get all free TV and stuff like that, you know, for whatever, 50 bucks. Well, it turns out that a lot of them actually are full of malware and are spying on you <laughs> and using your connection, internet connection to make someone else money by clicking on advertising in I'm, the background. I'm shocked. Shocked. Are you? Just shocked. Well, we're going to tell you what you need to look out for. Uh, let's get to some of the news. We talked about ChatGPT and they, OpenAI, the, the folks behind ChatGPT, are launching uh, an iPhone app down in the U.S. Yeah. Don't know when it's coming to Canada, but I am looking forward to that. Because right now you have to go to the OpenAI website, got to log in. It's a bit of a kind of a rigmarole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there are front-end apps for it right now, but they're not the official OpenAI, which means that they're running through the same sort of throttling that everyone else is. Yes. So you've got ChatGPT+, Plus, which is $20 US a month. Yeah. You can bypass a lot of that stuff. But you're right, the, the web app is a little clunky. You can add it to your home screen, but it's still not quite, it's not native, you know? No, not uh, not yet. Uh, there is a new feature uh, app. I think uh, what is it? iOS sixteen point five mm -hmm. is Apple's latest uh, upgrade to their operating system for iPhones and uh, available. Uh, they've got a new feature. It's uh, a concert finding feature for maps and music. So, so you know, you go into Google Maps, it'll show you where some concerts are happening. This is coming straight at an app called Bandcamp, which I've been using for years. I love Bandcamp because it's you add in one your... time in Bandcamp. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so you add in all of your, all of your favorite bands, and not only will it show you the stuff that that they're doing, but bands that are like them. So when they're coming to town, I've used this to get cheap tickets to great shows that I've wanted to see because I you know you can't follow every artist on their own website on their own email list. It just it gets overwhelming. So Bandcamp's been great. This is fascinating. Because, you know, if there's something in town that's on right now that maybe has tickets available, would I go to more shows? Yeah, I absolutely would. I'm excited. 
Well, don't get too excited because it's just available in a few select cities. But that's fine. You know, they always kind of roll it out afterwards to more cities. Uh, right now, it's down in the U.S., of course. Chicago, L.A., New York, Tokyo. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's available in some other international cities. Uh, Tokyo, London, uh, and Paris. I bet you Toronto's probably on that list. Vancouver, we're tier two. Yeah, it'll it'll come. But, you know, speaking of uh, Apple Music, um, you know, I keep forgetting this. I have Apple uh, Music... Uh, I subscribe to it. But sometimes if you're not in a Wi-Fi area or cell phone area, you can't listen to music. And I keep forgetting to download music onto my phone. I, I did a trip to Tofino last week, and there is like one section between Nanaimo and Tofino for like an hour. There's just, there's nothing. It, it says you've got signal, but there's no signal. No, there is no signal. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I forgot to download music again. <laughs> And you know what? You can actually download a lot of music onto, you know, the latest iPhones or, or Android phones for yeah. that matter. Well, because you've got a, a couple of different options, right? You've got high quality uh, and then you've got, is it like lossless quality? Yeah. Which I don't really you know need what? lossless I'm, quality in my car. I, yeah. Can, yeah. Could you tell the difference in your car? I've tried. I cannot. No. Maybe it's because I'm old. I think it's because my car is serious. I've, I've got a mini Countryman. Yeah. You know, and it's nice. It's got a good sound system, but... With road noise, there's no way I can actually tell the difference between lossless and high quality. So I go, I go with high quality, you know, for for streaming and for uh, for downloads, that's fine. But all the the major music apps, even Spotify, you can download right to your device as well. Yeah. Keeping in mind, if you ever give up the subscription, so are the songs. You know, what I mean, they kind of evaporate <laughs> from from your device. But I think I had one playlist, and I think I drove my daughter insane because she had come with me, yeah. and we just listened to. I think Taylor Swift. I don't know why I downloaded this. Um, it's a good album. Yeah, and oh. Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Between that, maybe a little Heart of Glass. You're good to go. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I think I had like five songs in this one weird playlist I had downloaded, and so yeah. Okay, that's that's a- on the checklist a- a- for Ava, the next road trip. Yeah, Ava went uh, slightly uh, in, insane uh, on that, but you know, I'm I'm learning. I'm <laughs> I'm learning. Uh, Lemon Eight. Have you heard of this? This, no. this is a, an app from ByteDance, the TikTok people. I, so, think, I think I signed up for an account on this. Yes, it's, uh, it's a lifestyle app. Uh, and it's kind of aimed, you know, for the US and, and Canada and, uh, and markets like that. It's kind of, uh, it's not so much TikTok-y, which is like, you know, videos and you just kind of scroll through them. It's uh, kind of more Instagram-y and it's, it foca- uh, focuses on things like food, beauty, wellness, travel. And I guess the idea is to get you to buy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I've started calling Instagram Shopstagram. As soon as I log in, I end up buying something. They've really got me dialed in on that. So There's a lot of advertising on Instagram. Yeah. I, I, haven't, I wasn't a big Instagram, Instagram, Instagram guy before. And so I'm on there now. I'm trying to be cooler. And it, like, it's 90% ads. Maybe I don't have enough. Maybe I'm not following enough people. No, no, I'm following a lot of people, and it's still ninety yeah. percent ads. So, Lemonade, it's lemon with the number eight. Number eight. Um, they bill it as a video and photo sharing social media app. I'm just telling you about it because listeners should know. I don't know how long it'll exist in the wild because you know the U.S. government's after White Dance in general for TikTok, right? They want to get a banned. Yes. Which I, I laugh because they'll never ban it; they'll just sell it to a U.S. company, right? Which I think is kind of the end goal. It's one of these things, though, with more social media networks starting to emerge, which we were in a bit of a drought there for a while. I find 
it's um, username defense. You've got to go on, on, on the defense and make sure that you secure your username so nobody else gets it. Yeah. That's a real challenge. It is a challenge. We're, we're getting out of COVID now, Gray. And mm. you've probably heard the term long COVID that some people are suffering with. Yes. And it's, it's horrible, right? Because yeah. you just can't get out of that, that fog. Well, now there, there are some video games that have long COVID mode to experience what patients do. Really? Yes. And so, um, these, like Minecraft. You've heard of Minecraft. So there's, uh, there's a mod pack for Elden Ring. I haven't played that. Minecraft and The Witcher 3. Uh, and these, this, these mod packs are kind of like these add-ons you can add to these games. Yeah. They were developed by a Europe-based advocacy group for long COVID patients. So basically, um, your avatar in these games now are, can experience setbacks and symptoms within the games that mimic real life long COVID symptoms. So these are all games. These are, these are open world games. Yes. To a degree. And so in this case, you'd be looking at sort of, I guess, the stamina that your character has, which in the case of Minecraft might be a minor irritation. But if you're looking at things like The Witcher 3 and Elden Ring, these are games where like combat is intense. So if, you know, Geralt or your character in Elden Ring is out of breath or tired or can't handle it, like this is a level yeah, of challenge yeah, that is yeah, way so, above and beyond. So with this mod pack, uh, your character will get like out of breath warnings and, uh, you know, maybe brain fog yeah. as well. So it totally impacts how you can play these games. I, I find that's, I, I think that's brilliant, right? Trying to show people like that this is a real problem by kind of integrating into like popular culture things like video games. You know, I've, I've played the previous games to Elden Ring, Dark Souls and Demon Souls, and I had brain fog playing those just to begin with. So I can't imagine what that's like in this latest version of the game. They're tough. They're pretty tough. Okay, you are tuned in to the App Show. We have got a great program for you today. We will uh, be talking about Apple's new magical accessibility features that I don't think you need to be like blind or um, hard of hearing or anything like that. They're just kind of magical features that I'm dying to, to try out. We'll also be talking about some of the darker uses of ChatGPT. Debt, debt collectors. Mm-hmm. It's like their dream come true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Being able to use AI to hound people? <laughs> Let's find out what the most effective thing is to say about this person based on what we can learn about them online. I know, it's, it's kind of uh, awful. And we're going to talk about these TV, these cheap smart TV boxes that a lot of people are buying online, you know, especially on Amazon, you know, that say, hey, free TV and movies. Does it sound too good to be true? Well, it just might be. You're listening to the App Show. We'll be back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Still to come on the program, we're going to be talking about ChatGPT and some of the, the darker uses for it. I think it's important that people know about this. Um, but right now, I want to talk about smart TV boxes. I mean, there are the well-known ones. There's Roku. There is Amazon Fire TV, which is fantastic by the way, uh, an Apple TV. They make the little Apple TV boxes. I swear by those. They're good, right? Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of Android smart TV boxes as well. I mean, you go on Amazon, there's like a gazillion of them. Uh, there's a couple Chinese-based companies, All Winner and Rockchip, that are popular models. They're sold on Amazon. They're cheap. And they pack a lot of streaming services in, into the device. Um, 
and they, they get good ratings, like four out of five stars. But it seems that they are full of malware, according to one investigation, and specifically ClickBots. And so these ClickBots are designed to use all these <laughs> internet-connected smart TV boxes, the ones you bought and hooked up to the internet in your TV, to basically uh, click on ads in the background. You don't even know what's happening. Yeah. It's loaded a browser profile behind what it is that you're watching. Yeah. So you're probably not seeing anything. Maybe you see a little bit of a stutter in the video, which if you bought a cheap Android box, you're probably expecting that it's not going to be the highest end device that you're going to get. But it's using your bandwidth to go out there, grab ads, click on those ads, and make money for the people that supplied the box to you. Brilliant if you're the bad guy, it's, right? It's like a low-level Bond villain thing. No, because, I mean, literally thousands of these set-top boxes are out there, even millions. So you could mine for cryptocurrency. You can have these click bots working in the background. And the people that have hooked these things up to their TV don't even know. Yeah. And I mean, so, and that's why it's probably best to stick with a name brand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're cheap enough, right? I, don't, I can't think of one. Like that a Roku stick, we can get that for 40 bucks. Yeah. Or a Fire TV stick. So really the $9.99, $19.99, $29.99, if you don't recognize the brand name, you may want to go with something that's a little bit more established. The Roku ones are great. I bought a ton of those for friends. But I know why a lot of people buy them. Because you can load these Android apps that kind of get you pirated TV shows and movies. You sail the seven seas, you're going to get stung. I'm just saying. And you know what? If you're really nerdy, you can kind of keep up with it. The problem with these boxes and these apps that allow you to kind of hook into these free TV shows and movies, they're always changing, you know, the servers and stuff. So it's constantly, you're constantly kind of having to update that app or software and it's a pain and it's, and it's not great quality no. most of the time. One thing that you can do is you can actually put a firewall in between that TV and the rest of the internet. Um, you know, <laughs> the rest of the internet. Well, that's, that's a firewall, yeah. you know, but looking at it, something like a pie hole, um, which you can actually get, uh, You're talking about a Raspberry Pi, those hobby computers. They're like tiny little deck of card size computers. Yes. Yeah, no, they're, they're hard to get right now, but you can find like small machines that will do this that basically step in between, you know, a device, all your devices and the internet. And when you see that you're going out to get a video stream, that's fine. But when you see that it's maybe pinging these servers, you know, hundreds of times per minute, maybe you might want to, might want to cut, cut that connection down. There's a lot of really user-friendly options that will do that for you that will say, okay, only these servers will be allowed. And these ones over here that it's kind of trying to get to, we're going to shut that down. Yeah. Crazy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Smart. Do you, know what I'm in, do you know what I'm in love right now with? Uh, the Fire TV stick and Cube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do love Apple TV. Uh, I love it because it's... The user interface is great and it's powerful, right? Yes. You can run cool games and, and, and apps on it. Apple Fitness. Apple Fitness, which is cool, right? Because if you subscribe to Apple Fitness and you've got an Apple Watch, it'll actually connect with the Apple TV box and your TV and you can see your heart rate up on the on the screen and everything. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I got my parents one for Christmas. They love it. But they're expensive, right? A few hundred bucks. Less expensive than they used to be. Yeah. Right? I think it's 169 179 for the okay. entry-level model and then 199 for the top end, which is 50 bucks down from what it used to be. They're up there. They're up there. So then kind of the next two most popular ones would have to be Roku yep. and and Fire TV. I love, the, I love Roku for its simplicity. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, I have, you know, given that to people that aren't totally tech savvy and I love it because there's not any tech support, right? They can't mess it up. 
And the Roku soundbar is really cool. If you don't have good, have good sound on your TV, yes. that Roku soundbar is a great And it awesome. has smart TV built into it. Yeah. So, but the problem with the Roku is they're horribly underpowered. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they can't do anything other than kind of play the streaming apps like Netflix and yeah. Amazon Prime. But if that's all you want. Yes, then it's easy. fantastic. Yeah. But the Fire TV sticks, they, they've, they're actually powerful. You can actually download real apps and games. Huh. And so what I, I love about that is that they also have the, the Luma cloud gaming service. I don't okay. know if you've seen this. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So uh, if you subscribe to Prime, Amazon Prime, and I know a lot of people do, you actually get some free games. It's cloud streaming. So all you have to do is buy a Luma controller, a wireless controller, or uh, there's a lot of Bluetooth game controllers that will hook up to the Fire TV stick or the Cube. And all the processing is done... In the cloud. In the cloud. Like, so what, what's the most popular game in the world right now? I'll give you a hint. Or how about I tell you? Tell me. It's Fortnite. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> they have that on yeah. there. And so I tried it out. It is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And you can also get a subscription to Jackbox games. I don't know if you ever played those games. I've seen that kind of become more popular with my friends. Yeah, it's so you can buy them uh, for certain platforms, you know, like Xbox and Apple TV. Uh, they're expensive, like 20 bucks, but they're the most fun party games. If you've got people over, it is so fun because um, the controller is basically people's phones. So you can have a bunch of people playing and they just log in on a website with their phone and they can play along. It's kind of, they've got drawing games, quiz games, and, and it's amazing. But on the Fire TV, they've got a subscription model for Jackbox. So it'll give you access for a monthly price, of course, to all of their party games. So if you like to have people over and entertain, it's it's pretty amazing. So, you know, if I had to get like a, a smart TV sticker box right now, definitely I would... I would recommend people check out the Amazon Fire TV ones because they're pretty cool. And the fact that you can actually play games and things like that on there, I think it's kind of kind of amazing. Give it a go. Yeah. But you're an Apple TV guy. Through and through. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies for that. Um, but yeah, you, you can't beat the power on them though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I wonder where they go next with it though. With, with the Apple TV? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, it's got the, the power of an iPad Pro in the box. Right, it's got highest end Bluetooth. It's got a uh, thread radio for um, home automation. It's got all the pieces you need there. It's only a few steps short of being a Mac Mini, when you think about it. This is true. So, hmm. do they need to go anywhere else? I don't know. I don't. You know, there's rumors coming up. They have announcements coming up. Um, there's going to be a new VR headset, yep. a mixed reality headset. I wonder if they'll tie that in. Possibly. You know what they could do is like give it legs or wheels and get it to serve me drinks. Little R two D two. I'm in. Amazon has that. They have their Astro. I, I got to check it out. Ah, Bezos, he got me again. Yeah, it's just like this little robot. <laughs> and it, it, it'll, yeah, it's got a drink tray. Interesting. And it'll follow you around the house. And you're, when you're not, for you when you're out. Yes, and when you're, <laughs> totally. Why is there like <laughs> 20 cases of beer coming? It's the robot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get my hands on one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see it. I would too. Okay, we are going to have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, a few more things we're going to be talking about. ChatGPT, so many great uses for it, but what are some of the darker uses for it? As always, technology can be used for good and evil, so we're going to look at uh, some of the things that I think we really need to be aware of. And Apple's new accessibility features. Got some kind of magic features that 
it'll actually learn your voice and be able to speak in your voice for those people that have trouble speaking. And uh, with their magnifier feature, it'll actually read out buttons like on your microwave if you can't see them. I like it. And, and other signs. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Our program's all about the world of mobile tech, smartphones, and the world of apps. And apps are in everything. Smartphones, TVs, cars. For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right now we're going to talk about accessibility. There are millions of people that uh, have accessibility issues. Maybe low vision, hard of hearing, maybe can't speak. And Apple has done, I think, a really good job at just pushing the envelope with technology to open up their worlds. And especially now with an aging population, these are important features, I I think, that a lot of people need to be uh, aware of. One that caught my eye was uh, a new feature where people can create a personal voice for a, a feature called live speech. And what happens is you train the phone. And so you go through a set of text prompts out loud for a total of 15 minutes of audio on the iPhone or the iPad. And once they've done this, uh, because it integrates with live speech, users can then type what they want to say and have their personal voice read it to whoever they want to talk to. And they say that the feature uses on-device machine learning to keep users' information private and secure. I, I think that's amazing. I, uh, I have a challenge mode for us. Do you? Which is when this feature launches, I'd like to come on the show and only use this to talk to you. You will have to type very fast. I'm a pretty fast typist. Are you? You'll, or you'll have a bunch of things that you've already <laughs> just cut and paste in there. Um, I, no, I, I, I love that. Uh, so they're also looking to... Um, kind of pare down some of the other accessibility apps so there's, they're not as bloated so it's easier for people to get through to the, the things that they want to do inside those apps. The accessibility menu right now is almost entirely inaccessible because you're not really sure where they put things. Yeah. In some cases things you know could fall under sight or sound and they're, they're divided up in a way that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so them reordering that menu to make it easier to navigate is a huge thing. It's... I'm blown away. Like I've... I've you know got a, a couple low vision friends and I've worked with um, accessible media here in Canada and we've done a lot of programming uh, for the blind and, and low vision. I am blown away by how quickly they can access an iPhone and use all the menus yeah. because they have a, a voiceover feature. So of course they can't see the screen, so they're just using you know scrolling through with their finger and it, it is so fast. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, yeah. they get in the little voice prompts, but the voice prompts aren't even finishing. They're just kind of going, you know, down menu, down menu. It's, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see how navigation has changed and how it's become more streamlined yeah. all the way through. Um, you know, for folks who are, are blind or low, low vision, the ability to read buttons as well is a new feature that's coming. Yes, yeah, so there is a magnifier uh, feature on the iPhone. Uh, there's a new detection mode that will help low vision or blind folks uh, interact with physical objects and, and text labels. So they basically take the iPhone and aim the, the camera at a label, like a microwave keypad, and then the iPhone or iPad will read aloud as the, the user moves their finger across each number or setting on 
the microwave keypad. Just absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw a video of this. It's magical, like how well it works. Like I can't believe how far they've come over the past ten years to be able to to do this. Yeah, the one feature that I thought, thought was quite interesting that's in the iPhone in macOS right now um, is live captions. I turned this on by accident. Yes. And so I was having a conversation with my parents over FaceTime, and it was giving us live captions on screen in real time done on device, and they were accurate, which is impressive considering my father is from Birmingham, England, and I'm not actually sure that entirely that that is English, that he's speaking. <laughs> I know. Are you sure you invented English? You right you. What did he just say? I don't know. Ah. Anyway, uh, so, you know, if you get a chance, even if you're, you don't have low vision or, or any, uh, you know, uh, challenges, you really should check them out. Yeah. I, I just think uh, there, there's some great features uh, available there. Okay, we are going to take a break. Still a little bit more to talk about here on the App Show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about ChatGPT. And there, there's so many wonderful things you can use it for. I'm just using it daily now. It just saves me so much time. But there are some kind of darker uses for it as well. So we're going to tell you what those are. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with uh, Gray Williams. Uh, we've been having a fun program so far today. And if uh, you've missed any of it, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. It's so easy now. There's so many different podcasting platforms, whether you're using like Apple or Spotify, Curious Cast. Subscribe to it and you'll just have uh, our shows delivered to you. Uh, we have the App Show and also our sister program, Get Connected, on a weekly basis. So it's all about uh, the world of tech and making it uh, fun, inspiring, and just trying to demystify some of the, the stuff happening out there. And you know what? There's some pretty big advancements happening right now, especially, you know, we're talking more more about AI. Uh, you need to know about this stuff. And, you know, I've, I've even, you know, I use Facebook a lot. I've subscribed to a number of different groups, which you can do on Facebook. Uh, one would be a chat GPT group. There's a number of different ones. And uh, another one I'm following big time is MidJourney, which is um, the AI that helps you generate images just by you typing stuff in. And I think it's important because, you know, on a daily basis, I get to see what's happening in the world. Like, I'm just telling listeners right now, you need to know this. Like, you're going to be blown away at how fast this is advancing. Like, MidJourney, which I just talked about. Have you seen the latest images coming out of that? I have. It's like they're they're like photographs. I've used ChatGPT to generate phrases to direct MidJourney on what to do. And you can refine those phrases inside ChatGPT to get better quality images out of MidJourney. It's like AI feeding AI. I feel like I won't be involved too much longer. I can kind of let them do it. I know. I So I, I look at some of the photos that it's generated and... I mean, they're like 95% there, like for photorealism. It's still, you know, on some of them you can tell a little bit, but they're pretty darn good. Yeah. Like, I wonder about stock photography sites. These are sites that uh, have images that people can buy and use on websites for advertising campaigns or, or whatever. And now with like these tools, you can you can generate anything with like within seconds. Yeah. You don't need to pay a stock photo site. So here's one of the interesting things. There are a few um, AI generators now that are actually able to re- remove watermarks from labels on stock photo sites. Oh, no. But they can also... The one thing... Well, there's sort of two things that AI generators have difficulty with. Hands with fingers. I, I guess teeth are up there as well. And text. They had a hell of a time with text. And so 
now there's, there's a number of new language libraries that have basically looked at language and image pairs to learn what text really looks like and are actually able to generate text in a way that is appropriate for the image. So in the past where we've been saying, you know, generate this image, no text, blank screens, and we've been Photoshopping the stuff in afterwards, the AI is actually able to do that now. I want to talk about ChatGPT now, and uh, there was a, an interesting article on ZDNet.com, uh, and it uh, basically six harmful ways ChatGPT can be used by bad actors, according to a new study. So again, ChatGPT, it's like a chatbot. You can type in what you want it to do, write an essay about Canada, or I need a social media plan for my flower business, and amazingly so, it will generate some pretty accurate stuff, yeah. right? Uh, I, I can't tell you how much time it saves me on a daily basis now. It, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but they kind of outlined some of the things that, that we do need to watch out for. Uh, one of the big things would be information gathering, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can actually potentially use ChatGPT to train it on um, information or find information that might not necessarily be readily available. For example, uh, in one study, the ChatGPT was prompted to divulge what IT systems a specific bank uses. So, I mean, it goes through all the public information available and just really narrows that down <laughs> for people. As you can imagine, uh, you know, that information can be used for a cyber attack. So it's, it's making it easier for bad actors, in this case, potential hackers, to get the information they need to mount like a cyber attack. And this isn't just about information systems. This is about individuals as well. Yeah. You can actually go out there and start digging into your life. Data brokers are everywhere. They're gathering information on us on every site that we sign up for. And unless you actually use tools to have yourself forgotten, which you can do, GDPR has made that possible for us. If you haven't done that, that AI is going to find it. Who's done that? Me. Okay, but it's... I think we need to do a whole show on that. All right. Okay. Uh, we're talking about some of the uh, the dark things about ChatGPT. Malicious text would be another one. This one I'm actually very concerned about because ChatGPT is able to generate large amounts of information or text very quickly. So um, this can be used for harmful things like generating phishing campaigns, uh, fake news, articles, spam, and, and even impersonating people as well. There was that one guy that input, uh, I think, seven years of his chat history with his buddies, and it was able to actually mimic his buddies going forward. Yes. Like, he was actually able to chat with them, and it was kind of pretty good. Yeah, so ChatGPT Plus allows you to use different plugins from the plugin store. The plugins allow you to feed GPT this information. And by doing so, it's basically building a language library specific to the question you're about to ask it. So being able to generate things from, from that point forwards can make them like ridiculously laser precise in getting someone's you know, tone and cadence and how they write down. And you know, it, it's one of those things where you take a look through you know, phishing and fraud. But when I get an email from you, I know it's you because of how you write. Yeah. Right? You, you just, I, just, I just know how you write. And... There are words that you use. There are certain ways that you say things that even someone who is trying to perpetrate fraud would probably have difficulty mimicking you. But if somebody now has a library of content that you've written, which both of us have a ton of content that we've written online, yeah. they could train those things to mimic us. So 
a good example would be Gray, and this has happened twice in my company. My employees have received an email from me. It looks like it's from me asking them to help me out with a favor. And that favor is to go and buy some gift cards. Don't tell anyone because it's a surprise for a few employees. And it asks them to go buy some Apple gift cards, for example. And twice the employees have fallen for it. (laughs) We need to have a a passphrase for you. (laughs) I know. So, I mean, this is every time we bring on a new employee, that's part of the employee handbook. If Mike asks you to buy gift cards or anything for that matter, don't. Don't. So we have a new employee. And the fact that they knew I had a new employee, they're obviously targeting the company. They reached out to her and said, hey, but to your point, she came to me right away and like, this doesn't sound like you because she's already, you know, been corresponding with me on emails and chats and things. And she was right. It was a little kind of off. Yeah. What, how I would write. Yeah. I tell you, I had a good time though, because I, (laughs) I basically interacted with that, that person like all afternoon. I think I drove them crazy. Just imagine you can get GPT to write that correspondence for you. Save you a ton of time. So, so that's the thing, though, to your point, Gray, because with all the information about me out there, they could input that into things like ChatGPT to come up with correspondence that sounds just like me. Yeah, and make it easier for them to kind of get in. They they did a, a a test. They created a phishing campaign which let employees know about a, a fake salary increase. And who who doesn't want to? a salary increase, right? With instructions to open an attached Excel sheet that contained viruses, malware. <laughs> it, uh, and as you can imagine, ChatGPT produced very plausible and believable emails around it. Disgusting. Okay, so we're talking about some of the evil uses of ChatGPT. Another one that I'm really concerned about as well, I guess I'm concerned about all of them, but this one <laughs> is scary because it allows anyone to, to generate code and so being able to generate malicious code to be able uh, to produce, uh, you know, threats without having any coding knowledge, really. This is sort of, you know, looking at the tools that we've made available um, in sort of the, the hacker, black hat and white hat community, um, the idea of script kiddies. These are folks who don't know precisely how the attack works, but they've got the code that lets them do the thing. You know, a lot of ICMP floods were based on this sort of thing, which is where somebody uses something like a botnet, you know, maybe a, an Android TV botnet to deluge someone with a ton of traffic. But they've used that script to do that. They don't know how it works. They don't know why it works. They just know what the end outcome is. This is sort of the, this is the next generation of that where I don't have to know how it works. The code is produced by an AI, but I know it will do the thing that I want it to do when I, when I want it to do it. It's, it's the fast food, fast foodization of hacking. And it's, yeah, it's concerning for sure. Um, and another uh, use for, bad use for ChatGPT, creating fraudulent services, being able to mimic services and, and websites um, very easily. I mean, you can use ChatGPT to, to write a website for you. Do you know what I mean? So if you were someone trying to fool people, you could make a fake bank site or, or what have you to try to lure people in to give personal information. The, the idea of authenticity, I think, has always been at the core of this. And usually you can tell when something is legit, it's 
well-written. It's well-produced. It doesn't have things like spelling or grammatical errors. And so suddenly now we're looking at sites that have great quality copy. They've got great quality images that have been generated by AI. They look like the real thing. You know, before we were looking at things like um, 419 scams where, you know, someone says, I've got money for you, but you've got to send me enough money so that I can get it out of the bank. You know, those were typically, they were actually engineered at a lower level of writing because they were catching people who wouldn't, they, they'd look at it and go, no, this is a scam. You know, if you, if you looked at it and said, this looks badly written, this is a scam. The folks who look at it and go, this is a payday, those are the folks that they want. But now we're looking at it and going, what comes into my inbox looks legit, looks real. You know, what a website that I go to looks legit, looks real. You don't have a hesitation to sign up because it looks like the real thing. And it's been generated by an AI specifically to make you feel like you've got the real thing. And so another challenge uh, that these language models, these AI language models is just private information that they're sucking up. Because like, that's how they work. They are sucking up all the data they can that's being inputted to them or they're scraping it off the internet and so they have access to all of that. So to your point, how much of our stuff is out there? A lot. A lot. I, I don't even know where I would begin to kind of start cleaning my, my digital profile up. Do you know what I mean? Let's and, talk about it soon. And they had uh, an issue back uh, March 20th. Uh, they, because of that outage, it allowed some users to see the titles from other users' chat history as well. So huge privacy issues if they don't lock it down properly. Properly. Yeah. Okay, another uh, area that it's being used in, which this is kind of gross, but for, for debt collection. <laughs> These debt collectors, you know, they work really hard to find the right things to say in order to get you to pay your debts. Well, now they don't have to because they can basically use chat uh, GPT to, and, you know, voice you know, text-to-voice features to actually make millions of uh, emails mm-hmm. or even calls, like through robocalls, yeah. and be able to have interactions with people. So, you know, if you've got a debt collect- collector after you, uh, you know, in the future, which is now, I guess, uh, it could be a robot. I mean, the unfortunate or thing AI. is, I haven't paid the bill for my ChatGPT Plus, so really this is just a snake eating its tail for me. You haven't. but um you know there um yeah there's a digital voice agent now that some of these guys are using combine that with you know what we're looking at in some of the accessibility features where you can make it sound like could you imagine getting a call from yourself that says that you owe money you know a lot of these debt collection places they actually buy um bulk bad debt Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so now if they can automate that it's a numbers game right they could do, like I said, millions of these calls. And it would be kind of human-like. I, I don't know, man. It, uh, it kind of concerns me. I need an AI-powered answering system to deal with all of that incoming stuff. Okay, don't forget to uh, check out our sister show. It's called Get Connected. It's on uh, every Saturday across the course radio network. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, check out our podcast of it. Again, it's called Get Connected Radio. We talked about uh, air purifier technology. Do you need a $1,000 air purifier? Can you get away with a $100 one? Well, we basically tell you about all the things to look for and some different models that will do the trick for you, depending on the size of your house or your apartment. We're also going to be talking cooking tech. A lot of places are uh, trying to not get you to buy gas stoves anymore. 
for environmental and safety and health reasons. Uh, what are the alternatives? And should you be doing it? Induction cooking. Cooking with magnets. Cooking with magnets. And uh, Netflix, the Canadian experiment. What happened? They cut off password sharing, made us pay more if we wanted to add additional users. Did the numbers go down? You'll have to tune into the podcast to find out. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together. And Gray, thanks for coming in today. I was glad to be here. This is Mike and Gray signing off. We'll see you again next time.